0: Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck and I'm your host. And your name is Listener. And you listen. And we are locked in a beautiful embrace of just auditory goodness. And let me tell you, it's a good ride. And I'm excited to be here for it. Guys, I had a kid, a baby, a human, an actual person that shares 23 of my chromosomes with my wife, and that is just a fucking trip, and it's been quite the ride. Ah, It's one of those things. I have fulfilled my purpose on this earth. Sort of, right? I've procreated. I've done what uh what nature is pushing me to do. I have uh, done it in a successful way, but now I've got to I've got to raise this thing and I've got to be around. It needs me. I mean, it really needs its mother, but uh, it needs good old dad for a couple fun little tidbits. You know what I mean? A uh, couple tips and tricks along the way that only a Papa Bear can give him. I think. Probably. No, for sure. I mean, listen, I'm the son of a single mom, and thus, and she was like tigress, super mom, did the job of both parents, and yet there were some inequities, some some holes in my uh, development because of the lack of a male figure. You know, I think that the reason you have a kid, or the reason it takes two people to have a kid is, in theory, that, well, You know, both of those people will be around to sort of share the load, give some advice and influence. But I'm going to be here for this kid. I am in, dialed in. I'm going to be around to put band-aids on skin knees and clean up diapers and applaud them when they do their little recitals. And even when, you know, deep down inside, they're probably not going to be a singer or a dancer, they just, they, they don't have what it takes, but, but you love them because they tried and they're doing their best and it gives them confidence. And maybe one day when they're that high powered lawyer or successful doctor or what have you, they'll look back fondly on that experience and think, you know, I'd never, I would have never had the confidence to go uh, pre-med, but that second grade dance recital where my dad screamed bravo from eight rows back in the auditorium really made me believe in myself. I'm going to be that fucking dad. I can't kill myself now. Not that I was going to. And I don't mean to be morbid like that, but you know, like the life of any sort of creative, stand-up, comedian, funny, human person who deals in comedy or what have you, like... You know, it's this is not a new story that, you know, we tend to err on the side of tortured souls and that we contemplate our existence in the, the utter abyss of life. And that at times it seems as though perhaps checking out might be the easier choice than having to trudge through the day-to-day sort of fuckery of what life uh, hands you. But, and and I don't mean to make light of that because, you know, there are people and, and it's tragic and there are people that are very... um. They very much have a level of clinical depression that I'll never understand. But having sort of that resting, you know, mild depression that I feel like a lot of people suffer from, and I don't know whether it's like this weird first world problem or Judaism or what, but I've heard it from many, uh, especially sort of artists and creative types, and, and to know that that sort of It's sort of disqualified at this point. And now I'll, you know, put that to the side because it doesn't serve me. I mean, it's not that I won't feel it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to participate in self-destructive behavior will hurt my kid. And so I have really screwed that up for myself. I can't enjoy a little sip of the liquor. Or the smoke or the snort anymore. No, sir. Not me. I've got to be there. I've got to be present. I've got to be ready for a for a high temperature. Or, uh, uh, you know, or to run out and pick up food. Because that's what you do as a dad. You pick up a lot of takeout. Um, I'm great at tasks, so I love to be told what to do. But yeah, I mean... This kid is here, and uh, he's a trip. His name is Max. I'm already pretty proud of him. He's like 10 days old. I'm stoked. I I held out and didn't make him my phone background for like the first nine days, and now he fucking is because he smiled, man. Seven days old, he smiled the other day. I mean, what? Who does that? Advance? I didn't say it. You did. Prodigy? Maybe. Perhaps. And he smiled at like eight days old and I fucking, and I caught it. And now it's my phone background and I'm that dad. And God, I'm so fucking sorry for this rant because I'm sure it's teetering on an unhealthy amount of cheese. But just, you know, indulge me for a second. All right, new father. Give me a break. Give me a break here. Give me a break. Um, yeah. So, you know, My wife and I went in, you know, it's fascinating as a young man, and I don't know if anyone can relate, but it sort of impressed upon you at an early age when you start having sex that you must be careful, because if you're running around, and you're uh, doing the deed with a bunch of uh, hussies, that eventually, you know, you might get the wrong person pregnant by accident, and that would be a big strain on your life, that it would be a gigantic accident, uh, just a big problem to get someone pregnant who you were not in love with, or you know, I don't know, married, whatever. You know what I, you know what I'm saying. You don't want to get the wrong woman pregnant as a young man because it'll just lead to a just to a whole lot of just years and decades worth of uh, you know possible pain and suffering. But then you find the right girl. And you marry her and then everyone says, okay, now get her pregnant. Now it's time for you to get her pregnant. And so you do that. And then, you know, there's no prerequisite for being a parent. There's no screening process. I mean, it's harder to get a license and or a gun than to be in charge of a life for 18 plus years. But really, you know, your whole, I mean, it doesn't end. There's no like invisible border that they cross into their 18th year and all of a sudden they're like qualified and equipped. In fact, my dumbest shit started right around 17, 18, uh, where I really put my life in, uh, in danger. But, you know, uh, there's no requirement to being a parent and, and practicing making kids is uh, very fun. So it's a dangerous recipe. Makes it very easy to create another life. And my wife and I did that. And we did the whole thing. We went to the doctor's appointments and she took the vitamins and I did the screenings and we did the classes. We didn't take the classes. I'm a little embarrassed we didn't take the classes, but we did almost everything we need to do. She didn't eat sushi. She didn't drink. Nobody smoked around her. It was a whole thing. And uh, wouldn't you know, nine and a half months later, well, a kid arrived, and it was a trip. You know, they say about some, some men will say that they don't feel that initial uh, sort of click or affection for their child. Maybe more connection, perhaps, is the right word, because, you know, your wife carries them for nine months, and you're just sort of like this outsider guy, and we tend to have, you know... Uh, I'd venture to say some of us are emotionally stunted, us us bros, guys too busy worrying about trying to be alpha and not, you know, being in touch with the old feelings, and thus, uh, you know, some guys talk about that, you know, that kid comes and they put him in his arms and, and it takes a while for them to feel a connection, maybe, you know, the kid's not super reactive early on, it's just sort of a blob, but over time, you know, three months, six months, it start to be reactive, and then eventually they can play catch with the dad, and then it's, you know, it's all uh, it's all roller coasters and roses. But, but for me, and I can only speak to my own experience, it was immediate. You know, they handed me this kid, and a door unlocked in my soul that I didn't know was there. I don't know who planted it. I assume some sort of higher power, but listen... I'm not even convinced it was them. I don't know what it was. Here's how I can describe it. It was like a secret level in a video game. And I'm not a gamer. So forgive me for this like weirdly nerdy comparison metaphor. I don't know. I'm not an educated guy. But what have you. It was like this uh, hidden level for a video game that I didn't know was there. And then all of a sudden I had like gained access to this like new world. Like this new city that was already built. I just needed to walk through the door. And that's how I felt. and uh I am uh, I'm positively uh, smitten. It's very cool. I like the kid a lot. I imagine I'll only grow more fond of him as time goes on. I love him, but I also like him, and that says a lot. You know what I mean? Because we all, we're all we all capable of loving despite our feelings towards people. You know what I mean? I love you, but I don't have to like you right now. You know what I mean? I love him. He cries. I love his cry. It's, so, it's, it's like raspy. It's weird. He sounds like a smoker. But it's, uh, it's very cute and adorable. And we'll see. And it's work. Oh, is it work? It's hard. But it's not like that hard. It's weird. You know, I've had like fathers call me or like my good friends who say, How's it going? What's going on? And I'm like, Oh man, he's very fun. Kid, you know, it's really fun. And they'll say, Right, but what else? <laughs> and I'm like, I, uh, nah, That's it? Like they're waiting for me to be like, Oh, God, Jesus. Uh, send it, you know, send him back. want to return this thing. But that's not the case. Maybe it will be. I'm in. What the fuck am I talking about? You know what I mean? I have my best friend Len and his wife. They they're parents to two beautiful boys, and they're two and three years old. And they're you know they go through it, and they they're incredible parents. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You know the challenges come, and you love the kids, and you get through it, and and then you coast for a while, and then something new comes. You know, I guess that's just the nature of parents. And I look up to them because they're just you know, I'm lucky. I've got, like, some good good parental units in my life. People I can look up to and learn from who just do it very well and have kids that are uh, pretty special. So, I don't know, guys. Please, I apologize for this fucking rant. But, uh, you know, it's a seminal moment. This is, like, the thing that we're all here for. As I've, you know, people are very happy. Oh, the techs, the the pomp and circumstance, the fanfare... By the way, just saying, social media-wise, kids are incredible for engagement. I mean, it's unbelievable. They just they just do quite well. Um, but anyway, I'm not putting my kid on social media because it's fucking kooky. Um, and that's it. I'll try not to talk too much about him because who the fuck cares? He's just my kid. You don't care. You know, you're like, oh, Josh Peck, you got a kid? Yeah, great. I work at UPS. Fucking, you think life's all roses and daisies? It's not. All right. Enjoy your kid, but keep it to yourself. And I don't blame you for that position. I really don't. Anyway, I think that's my kid crying in the other room. So I'll cut it here. Ravi Patel is our guest today. He and I were on Grandfather Together. He's a great actor. He's a great business person. I love him very much. Here's Ravi. Like, yeah, you are.
1: I'm, I'm working. on I'm
0: trying to get better.
1: You know, it's, it's the title of the show. Is because that's what it is. That's what drives you as like a good interviewer Is just like that you're actually interested and curious.
0: Uh, indeed, I am. Yeah, although I've uh, turns out there are some other podcasts with "curious" in the title, and I've gotten some heat for that. Yeah, like I was. It's taken. generally a
1: bad thing when you name your thing the same as other people's.
0: So I've heard. Yeah.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, am I the last? Cast member from Grandfather to do the show.
0: Uh, number three, <laughs> four. <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah. feel like
1: I listened to John's, which was great. Thanks, Christina's, which was probably one of my favorites
0: because it was it, fun.
1: Yeah, and I haven't like I never had a conversation like that with her. So There's just and kind I've of me either. Her. Yeah, so it was good to hear. That's my favorite thing about podcasts. Is like I think you and I talked about this on set at some point. Is you get to have these really deep conversations where you ask questions and answer them in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do in in person
0: not only that i think what you're catching on to which i did too is i knew her probably the least of anyone i've pod mm-hmm. potted with thus far uh-huh. and so i was truly asking questions to better understand instead of like with stamos i'm anticipating answers i'm trying to like massage i'm you kind of know all the answers already <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. i'm not as present yeah you're perhaps. like you're more, it's
1: more like tell me about that thing with the uh <laughs> yeah, the <thing." laughs>
0: yeah um but yeah i mean listen i'm enjoying the pod anyway you just walked in here and you came from your physical yep so yeah tell me everything well the
1: physical was actually an hour ago but the guy was like <laughs> It was just a checkup because I've decided I wanted to go on the diet for your blood type, which you'll love this conversation. Oh, I
0: I have the app. Uh,
1: You don't think I know about blood types? We used to talk about this kind of stuff. Of course. So right now I'm doing the intermittent fasting. Me too. Okay, what's your window? Talk to me about your window. (laughs) My window's eight
0: hours. I eat between. I take 16 hours off. When to when? 11 to 7? Noon to 8? We'll see. It it moves. You know, it depends on if I have a dinner that night. That's crazy. See, I don't roll like that. Some people... Well, you know, you could have... Like, if I get told there's an 8 o'clock dinner, I'm like, fuck, I'm not eating until one in the afternoon today then. I I mean,
1: I'll flex it here and there. I flexed it for sushi the other night, but Mm. for the most part, I try to stay strict with it. In fact, during the week... It's not uncommon for that window to be five hours or six hours.
0: Really? Yeah, bro. I've mean, been shredding. I'm wow. down twelve pounds in uh, less than two months. I mean, you look great, but you—I know you. <laughs> but you look to me like you always have. So, did you put on a couple lbs since we've seen each other? Probably, yeah. I, a little well, bit. Well, you're a new well, dad. Well, ever
1: since I met Mahaley, my wife, <laughs> sure, I've I'm up probably twenty
0: five. <laughs> Love 25 makes you fat. Yeah, it does. It makes totally. you complacent and physically. <laughs> well, because you now have someone that sleeps with you, hopefully on a regular basis. And yeah. so you don't feel the need. to so like that's peacock dumb. for yes, anyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once that box
1: gets checked, it's incredible how like you need to find all sorts of new motivation for most things. Yes. If you spend most of your life, in my case, just desperate to be liked by women, and then you put all this effort into it, you finally get one to like you. And then you're like, oh, wait. I put I was that was kind of all I was focused on. Now I got to figure out like what else there is which I have cuz I've a kid and all that now. But yeah, sure. <laughs> I
0: guess. <laughs> um so and and any any uh um sort of red alerts from the doc or is he thinking you're doing pretty well? You know, the doc
1: the doc liked what he saw for I, the most part. He I was don't like, doubt you know, it. do you yeah. have any concerns?" And I was like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> Only everything.
1: <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I'm almost 40 and I just feel like my back's always hurting and, you know, like I feel like I need to get back in shape and like people are dying around me and I'm sure. starting, you know, I'm getting to that age where like my parents are getting older and I'm starting to think a lot about how I'm going to max out that time. I've also never been to a
0: funeral. You haven't? No, I haven't. I've been to a lot lately. Lately? Lately? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Who's going down? My buddy Jaime passed away at 38 years old crazy see this is what i'm talking about i'm so sorry man it's okay i mean it's really it's really sad uh for i thought you were about to be like you have a friend named jaime (laughs) (laughs) that would have been the question like before this happened to jaime no i don't i mean i don't know you know he just it was it, it was a heart it was a form of heart failure and it was completely sudden and freak and out of nowhere and he was like running mountains he would do like Spartan races and whatnot, like in yeah. good health and just completely out of left field. So one of my best friends
1: just four weeks ago uh, went to the hospital for like an emergency like intestinal surgery and that was successful. They had him stay overnight and then at two in the morning, no, everything crashed and uh, include like complete heart failure. He flatlined for four minutes. That's brain death. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they had to like attach this thing this machine that basically replaces your heart which had never been flown into it was right down the street in santa monica which had never been at ucla yeah and <clears throat> the, you know it was this thing where one of our best friends works in the er the er there so he was were talking us through and he's basically like if he can get to this point i mean it's like a one percent chance he even gets to this point then after that it's like another one percent chance it was a series of like and he beat all of them and then beyond that when he came out of it he had no brain damage or anything and now he's like at home and I th- he's just recovering. Isn't that amazing?
0: That's a, I thought you're going to be like, and not only that, he woke up and he could speak Chinese. <laughs> like, yeah, the he, near death experience gave <laughs> him superpowers.
1: Yeah. That would be, well, that would be like a DC comics version <laughs> sure. of this. Why not?
0: Speaking <laughs> of DC comics, are you in Wonder Woman?
1: Yes. Dude, that just came out like uh, a few. In fact, I still have to, my manager was just texting me to put. Do you want to help me put up a... I have to post. Yes, please. Do you you post when things happen?
0: I don't, but I'm a weirdo with that. But like I self-promote We've talked about this.
1: I just feel weird about it. I just don't know what to...
0: It's a good it's, thing, dude. Mazel! First of all, it's funny because I was looking you up, being the great, you know, educated interviewer I am. I'm like, oh, right. let me get some tidbits in it. Yeah. Like, boom, Rovi Patel and fucking Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, sequel, killing it, suck it. And but I, was I like, also
1: know now that you were cramming
0: because that just happened in the last hour and a half. Of course really? I was. Do you not know me at all? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. I'm what try- the fuck? You're in. I mean, that's that's a that you want to be in that. Yeah, dude, it's wanna, cool, man. You don't want to be in like Green Lantern too. You want to be <laughs> in Wonder Woman too.
1: <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's all cool. Anytime you get to do something, but
0: that that's a cool one. Are you a big nerd? No, fuck no. I don't like any of those movies to be honest. I mean, yeah. they're just not for me. Yeah. But what I will say is, and it's interesting because I was thinking about it before you got here. My line of thinking for friends of mine in the business who get parts like this. My excitement for them comes from I can't wait to see what they get to do because they're in this,
1: like right, like how this how this positively impacts
0: your career exactly. Like yep. they're gonna be from this movie, they're gonna now be able to do like that passion project they always wanted to do, yeah. or some like dope director is gonna take a shot on them because they got a little bit of heat from this huge.
1: Man, franchise. let me tell you, I hope you're right because I am tired of hustling. Are you? <laughs> oh my god, I'm so over it. I just I mean, we talk about just leaving and going to denver or something like that sure we think about it a lot now i'm just you know i'm getting to that point I, i realized this was at the end of november i was on i was doing a movie in montreal and i hit kind of a low point and the people on that set. Like, there was just, it was just a bad experience, and I was in a bad place. Really?
0: That's, you know, I know the director. He did the whackness. Oh, uh, that's right. John. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was Tell just texting more. with him. Uh, so you liked him, maybe? I do like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But we have reshoots in like a week, and I was like, do you want to grab a bite before we go do this? Like, Sick. But um, I was in like a horrible place personally, and, you know, we, the first year of us having a kid, it's it's hard on anyone, but I think it was really hard on us because our relationship is still pretty young. And then I was out of the country, I think seven months, the first year of our babies. They were with me most of the time. Anyway, everything was really stressed relationship wise. And I, you know, you know this about me. I've always been so obsessed with work and just like always busy, busy, busy. We all are. Yeah. And it's a bad thing, dude. It's a bad thing.
0: The poison's in the dose, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess that is what we love about it. But I also think, I don't know. I'm in a place right now where I'm like I take weekends off. I I block off like 20 to 30 hours during the week that like my assistant cannot touch no matter what and I just like I'm pursuing leisure heavily. Yeah. And it's
0: balance, it's balance. And it's opened me up things.
1: to be like a better husband and a better dad, but also just to live today because I think I just had been attaching too much of my self-worth to to work and success and what's coming from it in the future as opposed to like this could be my last day on earth and this experience with my with one of my best friends only kind of further cemented that idea in my head
0: it's funny my wife and i got in a conversation the other day because we had a little bit of a argument and and i had just been dealing with some tough feedback about certain things that i was working on and i too you know so much of my identity in my life and I feel like mine's even to a even unhealthier degree because it's I've been doing it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So my literal adolescence and awareness of self is wrapped up in this career that is so fleeting and 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 the ups and downs and and so you know it was interesting because my wife basically what she was saying to me was you think you're sparing me because I try not to put my shit on her or my mom. I try to work on it in healthier ways, be it 12 step or with friends and meditation, yoga, what have you. Yeah. And, and you're doing all that stuff. I try. I mean, I here and there. I you so much. That's I, the best. I could always you're be so doing LA. better.
1: I am too, by the way. I'm doing all that stuff.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, because you have no other option at a certain point, but it was funny. <laughs> She's like, you think you don't put it on me, but your life and identity is so wrapped up in your work that I can see you from a mile away carrying it, like this Mm -hmm. heavy pack on your back, Mm -hmm. walking around when something's not going right or you're insecure about something or you got bad feedback about a project you've been working on. She's like, and if you would just tell me, Mm -hmm. I could adjust to then be a little more sensitive that day because I know you're hurting. Otherwise, you're just this oversensitive, open sore of a fucking mess, Mm -hmm. and how would I know that? And I'm like... God, it's so true because it's I'm so like you wrapped up in the work of it. What what came out of that conversation? It was it was so healthy. It was scarily healthy, <laughs> like and I don't wanna have more arguments with my wife even though it's inevitable, yeah. but I vented for a good 8-minute stretch and let her know exactly what was going on with me and maybe something that I was a little annoyed by. She gave a retort and gave me some insight in her feelings for about 9 minutes. And I didn't interrupt. And I just said, you've made some good points. <laughs> I hear where you're coming from. She heard where I was coming from. And it was literally like,
1: ah. Wait, but are there any changes come about from it? From, from yeah, me? Yeah, like I, ideally you I mean, come it was out of a this yes conversation tradition. with like, oh, just yesterday. <laughs> Great. So I'm still bas- basking uh, well, because I Because I, I, yeah. think, I think that's like an awesome just thing to notice. Because I think, you know, the double-edged sword of like, pursuing what we pursue is that we do, we're we're kind of imbued with this dogma that you have to be so passionate about it in order to succeed. And we define passion as a myopic pursuit, whereas, you know, the other end of it is actually in order to be inspired, in order to be good, to be artful in life and in art, you actually have to have... Um, you have to have balance. You have to have a breadth of experiences and you also have to have passive entertainment, passive experiences, meaning you have to be able to sit on the couch and just have your arm around your wife and do nothing. And that like, that's a lot of art is born there. And so it's this, you know, I think for me it was becoming a dad and that was like, okay, this is more important to me than anything I've ever, like everything I do now is actually about being better at this thing. And for me at least um, that was the beginning of starting to like narrow the focus of how I spend my time.
0: And did it really shift for you? In that you always hear that you have a child, and all of a sudden you you can't believe that everything you did up until that point was for yourself. And then all of a sudden you're like, No, now I, I have a true purpose to do it for them. <laughs> Is that true or uh, not really? Um, I don't know that I would
1: d- define. Like, I, I don't think that I would say that it was like that. Like clean of a, of a thought. But I would say that the inciting incident for all these revelations that I've had in the last, let's say, eight months was a sense of panic that I was failing as a husband and failing as a father and wanting to figure it out.
0: Would you categorize it as panic? Oh, it was
1: was actual panic. I mean, I literally – Seth Rogen had given me – Seth Rogen's on this movie I did. He had given me a joint and I was like so overworked. I was literally like – I would be on set for that thing and then I would like run to my laptop in between takes to go do other work stuff, whether it was for the granola bar company or um, writing stuff or whatever else, right? And then I'd come – and then after I'm wrapped, I'm doing more work and then I'm coming into bed around midnight uh, for another five to six hours of sleep. But then we're spending two hours of it, like kind of arguing or dealing with something, you know? And yeah. so feeling like a failure Every And I, and I wasn't, I had a, like some bad beats work wise. Um, that wasn't my favorite experience on set. So it was just like a culmination of like, you know, uh, like a lot of f- bad feelings. And so it was like, yeah, I, I smoked Seth. I had one day where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to work. I had a day off from filming and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a day off. My my wife and kid had gone back to LA. I was like, I need to like, I need to figure out what's going on with me because I'm, I'm sad. Mm. And it turns out what you shouldn't do when you're sad is smoke Seth Rogen's weed. A hundred percent. Because that was like ayahuasca. Like, dude, I <laughs> fucked the- up. When I tell you I was on a spaceship, like, too, I was on another planet within, and I only took a few hits. When's the last time you had smoked up until that point? No, I smoke every, I don't know, a couple months or whatever. But like, I'm not. But that's silly. I've never that's... had a big tolerance or anything. Yeah, it's, you're not a daily smoker. No, 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 no. Right? Seth is incredible. I mean, watching him, uh, he smoked a whole joint, and then would go do like improvise an action scene he, and be funny at the same time. He's, he's a, It doesn't. But fun, wait, he's and, like a genius.
0: It doesn't make sense. Like him, Rogan, like these people that operate so beautifully, slightly there's a lot of these integrated. guys
1: well i was telling i was telling seth i was like someone should do a documentary about like high functioning like potheads. because that's like a very specific thing and and he, seth is brilliant like he's multitasking without he's a br- doubt anyway so i smoked that joint and all of a sudden i'm on another planet and all of a sudden things got so dark Yikes! and next thing you know i'm on a google doc and I'm writing like stream of consciousness in all caps, I still have it, I look at it once a week, and in all caps at the top i I wrote, "I am so unhappy in all caps.
0: what a declaration
1: and and then, after that, like just things after things after things, and then the and then those things oh in the in the middle of and then those things eventually became like things I can do things I need to change and ended up being incredible but what's funny is before I even got to that point like 20 minutes into this spaceship ride I get a text from Ryan Devlin who's a co-founder at the Bar Saves Lives mm-hmm. hey man you joining this finance call in 20 minutes fuck and it was with like our board which has like you know like Millionaires and like all these really, and I was like, uh, I just smoked Seth Rogen's weed. Yes. Yeah. So
0: no. <laughs> Can you let the board know that I, I've been stoned by yeah. by a, a comedic uh, movie yeah. star?
1: Well, I kind of run like those finance calls too. So it was like, <laughs> it was, but whatever, it was really funny. I got out, I ended up just, you know, not talking and, uh, but that was like that was like a moment for me of like, okay, now in starting the next day, I just started doing the work, I started reading about unhappiness I started um uh, I just like I started back in therapy um it's we very important. couples it was great, man, and I just started reading stuff like I, re- I learned a lot about like routines like oh my god, you love all this stuff I started like a whole new routine which I've never had in my life um and that's changed my life. And I started, you know, that's when I started reading about workaholism, which you have. I have to, I'm going to send you so many links. Please. This, I read this thing on
0: workaholism that will like blow your mind. It's amazing. Well, it's all substitution, right? And under the guise of efficiency and look at what I'm doing and work is good. But mm-hmm. back to the, you know, the poison is in the dose. It's like we can take anything to an unhealthy, mm-hmm level to where it's now impeding on our lives. And it's funny, too, because my, my big thing, and, and I really try to unpack where my discomfort or sadness or uncomfortability comes from, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a blanketed term amongst artists like us. Like, mm-hmm. we're just neurotic funny guys, right? Just a neurotic funny guy who's just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you, like, we it all stems from different things. And for me, it's the compare and despair that someone else is doing how what I view is better than me, and and it's never jealousy. I never look at someone and go like, "Fuck them, they shouldn't have it." It always reverts back to, "You're not, you're fucking up, Josh. Look, look how successful other people are, and you're you're just not achieving on that level." In the
1: article I read, that's one of the categories of workaholics. Yeah, the people who compare and despair.
0: And it's, yeah. and then. But for me, how do you do it? Is it because you're looking at deadline, or I don't? I I, I'm very good about that. So remember, you never good about
1: yeah. So when do you compare? Just when you hear from friends and stuff. Like right now, did I just put you in despair?
0: (laughs) No. Are you in it right now? Is this no, despair? No, no, thank God. It's just No, I mean, you can't avoid it, especially in this business and living where we live. Or, and it, it'll translate itself even to like friends that I work with in YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. who happen to be doing better. It's something that isn't my great passion, but I, I'm incredibly grandiose and mm-hmm. competitive. So if I do fucking anything, mm-hmm. I want to be the best at it. And then it was funny. I was talking to my buddy the other day, a guy I really look up to, a great, brilliant writer and friend. And he said, you know, Josh... Your projection of what people are thinking of you is probably ninety five percent a wrong, because no one's thinking about you that much. He said, but the reality is, he said, I love you. He says, and it has so little to do with you as a performer. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, think about your.
1: You know, one of the things I do every year is I write my own eulogy. Fascinating. And never once has anyone in my own self written eulogy right. mentioned anything about my work. And frankly, I don't think. I don't think people remember what you did. They remember if they like you or not.
0: A hundred well, percent.
1: I would consider saying like, okay, one, it's pretty well documented that there's a reverse correlation between professional success and happiness as in the people who live simpler lives and have less money, generally speaking, are happier. Right. Now, obviously there's there's a lot that that isn't as, as simple as the way I put it, but... the 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 conditioning of wanting and wanting more, maximizing, optimizing, is slightly antithetical to happiness itself. That's why Tim Ferriss is like a depressive person. Is he?
0: Yeah, he talks about it. He
1: talks about it, but he's also, I think... I really enjoy his show. And I think that's one of the first things that always stuck out to me is like, this guy seems really sad, but it makes sense to me. If you're so obsessed with optimizing every minute of your day, then you're not being present. It's, it's anti-mindfulness, right? You know what I mean? I think that's true. Yeah. And the other
0: thing I would consider for you is redefining what success is for you. Well, that's everything. And it's, it, it, yeah, it's letting go of like, and, but it's a version of ego death because my, you know, it's it's funny, I don't know who I was listening to, maybe it was Pete Holmes' podcast, but someone was talking about how, you know, our ego is our bodyguard.
1: Mm-hmm. and That sounds gr- like a Pete Holmes conversation. Yes.
0: Yeah. And ego, you know, early on in our lives, because usually as children, we're so powerless. Mm-hmm. So... All these defense mechanisms that we build, isolation, keeping people at bay, lashing out in anger before someone can hurt us. You know, uh-huh. These things, they, our ego really kind of saves us, especially if you're a sensitive kid growing up yeah. and the world just feels too painful and too mighty and great. Mm-hmm. But then you get older and these things, they don't, as Brian Koppelman says on his pod, they stop burning clean. This fuel isn't burning clean anymore. What does that mean? It means it's fucking up your engine. So the car can run, but with every fill up of all this bad anger and, yeah, and it ferocity. It negatively
1: affects you more than when you were younger.
0: Right. And so now it's rusting the engine Why is that? Because it just, it, because these things no longer, we know for sure, or like any great spiritual tenant will tell you that anger and greed and lack of gratitude mm-hmm. does not attract a good life just doesn't attract that sunshine of the spirit so these things that once worked for us Mm -hmm. are no longer um they're they're just not positive they're attracting you know you get what you give
1: right and you're wiser than you were essentially and so you can't be tricked by these false versions of happiness as easily as you were when you were younger
0: well booze and drugs help like nullify that Mm -hmm. and pussy and and yeah. Prestige and work, like all these outside factors will help numb yeah. that for as yeah. long as possible. But inevitably, Proceed, it prestige and work is like the Hollywood key to happiness. I, not it's, Hollywood life. It's kind of yeah, everyone. But it's it's the toxins,
1: those are the toxins of living in any city, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's certainly for dudes.
0: Well, I but mean, I think in
1: general. I mean, can I ask you, you what? Because I've always admired you, I mean, obviously personally, but professionally, like you seem like you've always been doing cool stuff. Like what are you unhappy about right now? Work? What are you doing right now? Work wise? You don't have to talk about this right now. If you
0: don't want to. Oh, I'm happy to be honest. I mean, this is work. So, I guess, and I was so
1: excited when I found out you were doing this because you and I have talked so much about podcasting.
0: Well, should we talk about that we had a podcast for one day? What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we were like, we're going to record this on our iPhone, <laughs> on my iPhone, and we were sitting in the dressing room of our now-canceled show grandfather. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. What happened we to that? We had a title. Nothing. Where is it? We're doing this now. Yeah, but
1: do we have the clip? Do we have? The, I feel like that should be played at some point in this I'm a sure, clip. I'm
0: sure, you know, the producers of my podcast company can do that. They've got GarageBand. Do banned. you think you have it somewhere? Maybe. I have to go look. I'm oh sure God. I do. That would be amazing. Oh, man. And we interviewed Stamos in his trailer. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Talked about his diet.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Shut up. I. Would you don't remember? To, I would, no, I would love to hear that. Yeah, well, you. I kind of vaguely remember. Yeah. I liked hanging out in Stamus' uh, dressing room. That was like p- probably my favorite thing about doing that show. It was nicer than ours. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I just liked that's my favorite thing of working is, I mean, look, I, I love acting, but I generally enjoy jobs when I'm with people like that I want to talk to and be around. Like, that's I get way more out of that. And,
0: Did you not have that on, on the movie in Montreal? Did you not feel like there were any. Um...
1: No, I know. Similar
0: people. You didn't have any apostles on that set.
1: No, I That's mean I don't. Wanna, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about that on this podcast, but it sure. was absolutely not. And I'll be. I'll tell you what. I probably wasn't that great to be around. I mean, I, I don't. I was. I'm always nice. I wasn't mean, but I was. I'm sure I was. You know, when you're depressed, when you're depressed and you're not fun, and you realize that you're perceived as that, it's, it's self-perpetuating. When you feel like a loser and you think everyone thinks you're yeah. a loser, then it makes you act like a loser, and that is like a self-perpetuating. Like all of a sudden, you're thirsty, and
0: you know it's like. Oh, I'm sure yeah. I
1: was all those things, but there were also uh, some bad seeds.
0: <laughs> I have no doubt.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh shit, son! Oh shit, we got an advertisement. Okay, oh, I didn't know we were balling like that. This this podcast makes a profit? Shit, okay, well, let's do it then. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com curious. Tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist, probably with some cool names, like Sven or Skylar or uh, Tim, and uh, they'll pick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on, you pay only for what you love, and you return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I like return something, I feel like just a, a really gratified, fulfilling feeling. I don't know what it is, but I like tasks, and I like doing that. And you know what else I like? Looking good. And if there's someone that can help me to sort of find the right clothes to fit this quasi-muscular slash pear-shaped body of mine, then I'm fucking all for it. So I'm all about this Stitch Fix, baby. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now. At stitchfix.com slash curious, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash curious to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash curious. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q dot com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ dot com slash curious. That's ListenerQ slash curious.
1: I have a remarkably low number of followers. I have like ten to 12,000 followers on each thing, maybe sure. 13,000.
0: But they're engaged.
1: Maybe. I don't know what that, how, how yeah.
0: many likes I mean, you get with, on When you only on that
1: have that thing. many followers, you know half of them. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, so yeah, they're engaged. You know a lot of
1: people. <laughs> yeah. But let me ask you this. You have how many followers you have?
0: on, Let's say Instagram. 6.1
1: million that's insane (laughs) that's insane (laughs) and when did you did you did you have that during grandfathered or is it doubled since grandfathered or is it still growing
0: it's it's still growing but it's grown at a healthy clip it all came out of becoming relevant on vine Uh in 2013 right
1: i remember that was happening When that like yeah that was popping off right when we were doing the show What, what would you would you would you would you trade it like would you would you trade it for anything else and if so, what would be the things that you trade it for?
0: Sometimes I think career-wise, just career-wise. Sometimes I think that I would trade the social stuff to be uh, Miles Teller uh, have a like have a career. Not Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent who, D'Onofrio who was on your podcast. Did you listen to that one?
1: No, but it's I, I was I was going to listen to it here, one. and then I got on the call.
0: He's so unreal. Yeah, he's a someone, badass. Yeah, to a certain extent, having the career or Benicio, someone who like does cool shit no matter what, mm-hmm. isn't. Mark Wahlberg yeah, level fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can like walk down the street, but like there's no one that's going to tell him no. There's no one that's not going to pick up his call. There's, no. you know, that you get to work with dope filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And that I've never had this. Fuck, this sounds like I'm complaining. But like. No, it I, doesn't sound like you're complaining. Not at all. Okay, good. I hope not. <laughs> I'm, no, I asked you the question. I've never had a job working on something, even like with grandfathered. I still was full of like, but what about after this? You know, what, what will I have the next job? And, and from certain actors that I've looked up to, they've always been like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I got this Tarantino thing I might do, or like, just like cool little indie thing. Like they've always been the next. And while obviously you can't live in the next, I think to me, success would be knowing that for better or for worse, You've got a couple cool projects set up over the next, totally. but that's fucking 0.1% of 1%. Yeah, that's it's part so of like rare. knowing the relationship
1: that we've signed up for, which is an abusive, fickle bitch. Yes. Someone who you know is going to yell at you every night and probably slap you around and at any given point will cheat on you. That's what this career is. But I do think once you recognize that that's what the career is, then you can begin to figure out how to be happy in life and realize that no happiness comes from there. So where do I go get it? And then, I mean, for me at least, you know, and that's part of the reason why I asked is I think fame is such an expensive price to pay for that relationship. And I'm clearly in line for it. I mean, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm, that's what I've signed up for, right? Is, is a lottery ticket to that. And the thing that I – like I'm trying really hard right now to direct more and write more and to do things outside of acting because I'm thinking, oh, my God, I would love to be happy and find success professionally maybe without having to deal with that fame thing or at least to be able to know when it's going to happen because yeah. i'm so scared of that trade off
0: you don't want to be on the catnip you don't want to be in line for your soup you want to be it's, be able to create it i want to be able to create it but also like fame itself is
1: a really difficult i think it's one i just you know i like being able to bargain for things just genetically that's my thing yeah too if you're famous like when i get recognized it undercuts my ability to get a good deal, and that sucks. <laughs> Fuck okay? that noise. Yeah. <laughs> um, granted, there's a lot of upside to it, right? People will like yeah. get you better seats at places or you get to meet interesting people. They well, say nice
0: things. That's Seinfeld's whole bit about like when people say, Would you trade, you know, do you miss having your anonymity? He's like, Was it that great? <laughs> He's like Famous or not, I'm going with famous. <laughs> you know? Like, of course, he's, he's he's
1: probably he's probably right. But like, I feel like you can get a lot of the th- great things about fame. Like those people you talked about are not necessarily ubiquitous. Well, exactly. At least D'Onofrio, I don't think he's recognized everywhere it goes, and he's recognized by all the people that you'd want to be recognized by. Exactly. And so I would rather have that kind of fame than be the guy who stopped it every every few seconds because also. The toxicity of those kinds of interactions with the public, I don't know who, like, I know so many famous people, as I'm sure you do too, you know, when people come, when a stranger comes up to you, if you're famous, your guard's up, because you know they either want something from you, or they want to, or, you know, it's like, it's not a normal interaction, or even if someone's trying to become friends with you, those people often think those people are doing it because they're famous, it just, there's, and then also, when you're famous i've i've been in these situations i'm sure you have as well you become psychologically psychologically conditioned to when you walk into a room the conversation being about you and that's so unhealthy i've had to do work to like i f- i figured this out like probably 6 years ago you know and i and i like consciously started doing the work of like okay um how do i break this pattern how do i make it so that um i genuinely don't care and it doesn't affect me and I'm still the same guy. You've always been really good at it. I, I, By the way, I was never bad at it. Um, No. But it was something that you see. I mean, you see how much it impacts people.
0: Do you see it in famous people when you have interaction with them and I'm always conscious of this where I'll get that snap reaction from them of like Mm -hmm. Hold your horses. Like, what are you trying to get from me? And I always try to give out that energy of, like, I'm not the one. (laughs) Like, trust me. Like, I am literally here just to be nice. I have no ulterior motive. I don't give a fuck. Like, it's cool. I'm stoked. Like... And you know, I find the most famous people are the best at it. Like when I got to meet Tom Hanks at fucking Stamos's birthday party, he he immediately, I saw him see me in the corner. And of course I stuck out like a sore thumb because what what am I doing at at this party of famous people? And he said to Stamos, who is that? And I saw him say like, what's his name? And he made the effort knowing that I would be nervous to approach saying, Josh, great to meet you. I'm Tom, you know? And I was like, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, of course you are. He and seems
1: like the best guy in the world, that guy.
0: What is the... the, the I just did a movie with his wife, by the way. I was did email, you? I was just seeing that with her
1: yesterday. She's the sweetest. Yeah? She's the best. She's like... Amazing, she's so nice.
0: You do have a little bit of that LA thing that I love, where you do do that thing of like they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> you do of your smallisms, and we've all got uh, them. of like, many isms. How great uh, is she? <laughs> <laughs> she's just, well, it's like I think
1: you know it actually fits into what we're talking about. I have you were asking about like if I see that quality in famous people. Well, it's partially like I. I I probably projected onto them at this point because I am scared of famous people. I think that's why I'm so obsessed with
0: – We all with, are.
1: That's why when I meet Rita Wilson and she's like, great, I'm like – I'm honestly surprised because most famous people I'm scared of. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be friends with them. We treat because- them like a police
0: car on the road. Have you ever heard that metaphor? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Yeah, it's like a famous person's like a police car and you're like, "Oh, got to sit get in my lane and you don't want to look over at them too much. Totally. You want to make sure you go on the right speed limit."
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just over it. Like <laughs> I'm just over celebrities. Like I'm not, I, well, I feel like a lot of my friends are the opposite though. I think a lot of my friends in LA get an opportunity and they like want to be best friends with like the famous person and I just like I would just rather not. Now that said, there's some every now and then where I you know, I'm like super interested, like Tom Hanks would be sure. one of them. Or anytime I meet any athlete, I'm, well, not any athlete, but like like I, my wife and I are watching this show on E called Very Cavallari just because a former quarterback of the Bears is on it. Like Jay that, Cutler? Huh? Yeah,
0: Jay Cutler. You love that?
1: Well, I just want to get to know him.
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm such a huge Bears
1: fan. Why? I'm, I'm, why am I a Bears fan? Yeah, you're- The you're, group in Illinois I was 12. Oh, okay. So and then you the moved to South
0: Carolina? North, North, Carolina.
1: North Carolina.
0: Yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All so right, I'm, that's fair. I'm in on Jake. I just want to know what his, thing, what his isms are. You're allowed. I get that. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you the question you asked me, which is, what does your ideal career look like? Um, What's success
1: to you? It's it's evolving. I'm in the process of redefining it right now. Um but i think if if i had to like say okay this is what it looks like in 5 years in 5 years we live somewhere with a big lot and some degree of simplicity maybe even um our own community garden oh i would I mean, my friends and I are talking about like doing a thing where we like start a commune or build a neighborhood, or we all move somewhere together. Topanga Canyon. Topanga's the one at the top of our list, of course, in LA. But we also talk. Are you in Oregon? Should I bring you in on the Should I bring you in on the emails?
0: Of course. You start.
1: We'll talking to you talking about though. Oregon? No, Topanga. Oregon. Okay. We're not talking about. We're talking about Santa Barbara. Uh, Denver. Mm-hmm. Denver. All right. Yeah. Topanga. Denver. Asheville. Asheville. And Charleston. Those are the four. Yeah, because both of our parents, like I'm from Charlotte, hers that's are in Atlanta. Nice. And so we're also like we you know, wanna spend more time with them as we grow older. We want our our daughter and future kids to be close to them. So that, yeah, it that would be great in five years. And career wise it would be like whatever accommodates that kind of lifestyle where I'm not so work obsessed. So, you know, I think things are in a very healthy direction right now where I'm doing a lot of writing, a lot of directing and producing. Um, acting's actually going pretty well. Um, but you know, I, I think if all these things continue the way they are, it would be great to be in a place where I don't have to be in LA or New York and I'm just doing that. And of course the other X factor is, you know, I would totally give it all up and just go open like my own farmer's market, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Would I also really happy? want to open a resort. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like a happiness resort. I like that. So It's like a resort. Like a, like, you know, like, like sandals. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah the patel sandals like
1: sandals but for one percenters okay yeah. <laughs> like sandals for divorces cute no i just think opening a resort would be such a fun way to have a family but about happiness yeah so, so it would be all about like 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 uh this is a weird thing to say wild, but I'm, like, country. I'm like passionate about OSHA. fun Mm. About like like on a psychological level, on a sociological level, like what it is that makes people happy and have fun together. Lots of games, games, exactly capture the flag, games, all the things that are like kind of like physical manifestations of positive psychology. so yeah like things yeah, water games. sports yeah all that stuff the blob. and they'll, they'll be doing some – will we'll do classes and they'll they'll be all the stuff that are also in like those palm springs uh, spas you know where it's like there's cleanses and meditation there's all that all those basic things but mm. it's like all that with an element of like you go there with your family or with your friends and you're going to have the time of your life and there's going to be a newness to it there's going to be a sense of adventure even by the things that we introduce you to um i've already I'm in. Talked about. it. Yeah. So I. So those. That's the best answer I can give you. What I know for sure I don't want to do, which is at this point the likelihood is like I just stay in L.A. and I still live in a condo in Valley Village. <laughs> just
0: being a slave and I'm just to hustling the. hustling
1: like I am today. I just. I, I hope to God I'm still not. in the, But I, I. I genuinely think I'll get out because I've. I've already been thinking about it so much, and usually when I think this much about something, I make something happen.
0: I mean, I've seen a progression in you, and I don't think we've seen each other since the show got canceled. I don't think we've seen each other since the last day of grandfather. We may not have. I know we've talked. I feel like a decent amount. Or yeah, texted at least. No, but life yeah. life happens, and I, and you seem remarkably, uh, or, uh, sort of, you seem in this incredible place. And you know, booking Wonder Woman doesn't hurt. But you know, having your child and and having and you've always had you know been so much more layered than your typical actor out here who just has this, as you said, myopic focus. But I wonder, too, if it comes out of – because I feel that way. I feel like we had a shared experience on our show, Grandfathered, where we were similarly unhappy doing it. And (laughs) I think that's an interesting – I think we should talk about that. Or at least jaded. It was painful. It was really painful.
1: It was, yeah, very uncomfortable. What's your memory of that conversation? Maybe that will get us started.
0: Of which conversation? Of us being similarly unhappy. Because we didn't – because I I feel like we're cut from the same cloth of like a deep need to – please our employer mm-hmm. like we're utility like I'm a great uh, how do I say it I'm a great uh, I'm a great soldier I want to serve I want to serve the greater good I'm not the one who's going to like blow everything up and say, like, this shit isn't working and we need to do this. Like, I want to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you and I suffered while doing this show, which was great, with great people and we were so lucky to have the gig, that perhaps our characters weren't fully realized and we were wrestling with the with the reality yeah. of that daily.
1: Yeah, acting-wise, that show was tough. It was I, tough. I, I, it was weird. That show was weird altogether, and I don't know how to put it. And I, and I would say... In general, most of my reflections on jobs that didn't go as well as hoped or whatever have always landed on, you know, a lot of it just having to do with me. <laughs> and, Same here. And ways in which hopefully I've matured since then. Um, but yeah, I you know it's funny because I was I would read the scripts and I'd be like, oh, this is like this is like funny, but there was something very superficial about the whole experience on a performative level Mm. that never connected for me. Um, Like I never felt locked in. I never felt hitting a stride. I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel like I was playing music and I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't feel present. Like, you know, when you're acting well, you're actually there and you're improvising, even if you're saying every word on the script as it is, you're, you're at least physically or emotionally improvising. And yeah, every moment is new. Yeah. I didn't feel that freedom at all. Right. I didn't feel that at all. I felt a lot of pressure to like play the song the way John was playing it, who is an incredible craftsman. I mean, like his timing and he—he ke- he does it. And so I think I always felt like I needed to jump into that song, and I never—it wasn't in our key. Yeah, <laughs> but I also didn't get a lot of the jokes. Like there was some stuff where I was like, I don't understand what this is.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I remember there
1: was just one episode with like guacamole or an avocado or something. They kept on telling me all these different ways to do it. And I'm like, what the fuck are we talking about? What is
0: this joke?
1: There's like a party and I had to run. I think the whole episode, like my storyline was that I was making table side guac. Yes. I hope they don't listen to this, or whatever, I guess they will.
0: Whatever. No, because, I, I, again, uh, to bring it back to us, because fuck, like, God, I, I wish I didn't have to give, give this disclaimer, but I will, of like, we're so fucking lucky that we had these jobs, and and it's so rare that someone gets to be on a show, especially for 22 episodes, and I feel blessed to have had it. That's my and, longest run, by the way. I'm sure, Yeah. My, me too, since fucking Drake and Josh, and like, and what I'm saying is the fault... I'm I'm taking the fault off everyone and everything that sometimes mm-hmm. just the recipe with you know two parts Ravi three parts Josh <laughs> it just it, it's not quite right for this fucking cake yeah and I felt like you and I just happened it was just a victim of circumstance sure. that we didn't quite fit in and someone like Paget who's so brilliant she's great she's, making...
1: I, she was she made me laugh the most out of everyone on that show
0: well it's funny I interviewed her. On this and 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 I interviewed Danny Chun as well, the creator of the show. Oh, he did. Okay, oh, he's like the best. He's a so sweetheart. Yeah, I just love him. And Danny would say like how, if there was a uh, grammatical error in one of Paget's lines, she would make it work. She would do it so verbatim because she has this ability in which to like truly make anything work and mm-hmm. make put it in her own voice. Where I feel like I suffer. She does have that. Yeah. I sometimes, if something doesn't feel quite right. I've always been from the school of like let's make it work shush in my it. voice
1: let's put it in my voice that right. and that's my thing and and I would also say though again like I think I'm just a much better actor today than I was back then I and, mean like yeah first of all I like I don't know maybe I don't I don't know if this is like every actor but I know my experience has been and I I would at least partially attribute it to the fact that like I'm not trained and I didn't like anticipate doing this for a career. So I still feel very like, I feel like now I'm starting to not feel as green for the first time in my career. But even then I still had a feeling of greenness, of, like not knowing the what's or the how's or like, and and I'll look back, you know, how how many years ago was that? Probably four, three,
0: three, three years ago.
1: I just feel like I'm a, like every year of my career, I would look back at the previous year and be like, Oh, I'm so much better today than I was a year ago. And I certainly feel that way now. Like, I think also I just wasn't, you know, I probably wasn't that great.
0: <laughs> I, I definitely wasn't. No, and... I thought you were great. I thought, but but isn't that the truth, right? Because I'm sitting here going like, no, Ravi was fucking great. We were just, <laughs> you know, it's... But it's true, like, because for me, I got off that show and it propelled me going back to class in like a really... It did oh my god, that's great. When did you go a study? year and a half with this woman, Sharon Chatton, who I still go to, right? Vincent's Wait. coach. Oh my god, in that's Venice. how I met Vincent. And you're the one who sent me to that class. I went to it.
1: You did, yes, I told you. You're the one who sent me there. You didn't tell me that you went, I must have told you.
0: No, when because I, I lived two blocks from it, first of all, right? In oh, I must have sent you before even I went because Vincent told me to go, okay, but so I didn't go for like two my years after. First
1: class, and Sharon's great. I think she's great cuz I've literally not, like my degree of studying has been like I'll sign up for a class I'll go once or twice and then I'll like not go anymore because yes. I don't know like cuz I book something or whatever you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got this like little Seth Rogen thing whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but like yeah, I think I'd asked you like what you cuz we we've we've pretty much talked about everything at this point and at that when we were on grandfather I feel like we talked about everything and I remember you you'd given me that name And so I went and it was two blocks from my place. I probably went to only like three or four classes, um, but I loved it. It was, and Vincent taught
0: either my first or my
1: second class that I went to and I prepared the scene. And I think like Sharon had kind of like told, like told him who I was. And so they kind of singled me out and Vincent had me down on stage and we did this like exercise together for 30 minutes. That was sense memory.
0: Uh, Did he walk you through it? What was it? Was he like building the imaginary world and seeing someone's face and yes. the way their eyes look and yes. feel their hands and your yes. hands and yes. if you could say something to them? Yeah, that's, yes, we were that's doing old that. school. It was incredible. Strasbourg sense memory. And that was my first time. I didn't know what Strasbourg was.
1: I'd never done all of that stuff and like doing that stuff before you even enter the scene and like it was that was a totally new thing that I've like since put in my toolbox that I probably could use more practice on, but it was a really special moment. And he, working with him was really cool. I thought
0: he's, I mean, he's a real deal. And, and similarly to what you were saying, me going back there for the last year and a half and her ripping me to shreds mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and every little ism and trick that I had that I thought was good or a bit of obstruction or, or tension that I couldn't let go of. Mm-hmm her just ripping out of me. But the reality was what it really endowed me with was that I stopped feeling like a fake and a hack. and it Because I knew that I'm like, I'm doing the work. Mm-hmm. And yes, I probably won't get this because the odds are always against you. But I've done everything in my power. Because to me, and especially on Grandfather, if something went well, mm-hmm. I'd go like, I thought there was a bit of alchemy to it. Like, yeah. oh, that was just... You know, it was the right energy at the right moment, and God, I hope I can I I can return to that whatever space that was. Yeah. But now I actually know. Any great teacher will say, like, no, like there are very clear steps to take through script analysis and preparation that you will be able to be there every time, like the great actors you look up to.
1: I feel like you should keep going based on what you just said because
0: I think one of the I think one
1: the work that we do. When we're on, it's when we're being proactive instead of reactive as actors, as in – You know, I would say my experience with grandfather was more, I was reactive most of the time. I wasn't thinking like a CEO. I was thinking like a cog in a wheel. And I'm always wondering, what's the wheel look like? Where's the cog go? What is a cog? You know, it's like, (laughs) what am I talking about? (laughs) You know, it's like, um, whereas, you know, like the movie, I just got back from doing a movie and it was one of the best experiences of my career. And um, it was because I was thinking like a CEO, I was at all times thinking about, what's like i was thinking about the script and the story and what makes this what's going to make this movie better even when i wasn't in a scene i'm on the sidelines like watching paying attention having conversations with the director and having that kind of holistic approach makes you proactive you are It's about something bigger than you. And it also, in order to do that well, you have to have such a level of preparation and mindfulness going into every scene so that there's a confidence that comes out of that. And I feel like class probably does that as well. It's like, it makes you someone who is showing up with a great deal of kind of preparation and confidence so that. You almost know what your boundaries are in the scene. You know what you can and can't do, and you have a sense of confidence of it because you know you're not really like guessing. Does that make sense at all?
0: Guys, get hyped because we got another ad for you. And I know that's why you listen. It's for the ads. I know that you're out there being like, "Yo, have you have you heard the Curious Podcast?" I, I mean, listen, I could give a fuck about the guests, but the ads. The ads are fire. Yo, did you hear the one about Squarespace? Funny you should ask, because are you ready to start your own new business? Make it stand out? Get started with Squarespace. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Because... You can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds. They've got free and secure hosting, beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. they got analytics that help you grow in real time and 24-7 award-winning customer support. They're encouraging folks to make it, Make it yourself. Easily create a website. I mean, yo, what you're gonna be like the proud owner, proprietor of an ill website? You could be like, yo, check me out, www dot you know insert name here. That's gonna be incredible. That's so powerful. It's a great conversation starter. Anyway. Go to squarespace.com slash curious for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code curious to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do you think that, because it sounds like the experience you just had, and I've had one similar, was where there was like a collaborative element to it. Was it was so
1: collaborative. Which yeah. is
0: huge, yeah. but it's not always like that. It's
1: <laughs> not always like that.
0: So do you think going forward, if you had a similar, say you got on another show like Grandfathered, where Uh it was a bit more like, hit your mark, say your line, the way it's written, could you ever be happy doing that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Because I think the older I get, the more I realize that like, there's different kinds of utility in each of these jobs. And sometimes it's just money. Other times it's that I get to be around someone I like, or other times it's like, oh, cool. I get to, I get to go to London, (laughs) you know, like. Fuck yeah. 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 That part's great. And so. It just depends. Like, I think it's really about knowing what your relationship is with whatever it is, but sometimes, yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, I generally don't like, I mean, one of my favorite things about the Montreal experience was how much it pointed out to me that I care what I care about being liked by my coworkers. And I didn't, I was like, oh, like this is the the extent to which I'm affected by uh, some of these negative interactions is not actually a healthy way to live. And so it gave me an opportunity to fix that about myself. I don't know that it's fixed, but I feel like at least now it's there to be addressed, which is like an
0: awesome, awesome thing. Did you have a bottom while shooting that movie? Yeah. What would that look like?
1: It was, it was me smoking that joint. I mean, like that, that was that, that was it. I mean, there wasn't like, you know, it, but it looked like, you know, like, you know, that experience was awful. <laughs> I'll tell you about it offline. Ah, oh, uh, damn it. Uh, uh, but but again it was just a general implosion of feeling like a failure at work and then coming home and feeling like a feeling like a failure at home um bogged down in self yeah totally i mean and, and I, again it was just it was just so necessary i mean in retrospect like i needed i'm like so grateful that i had that the moment was as harsh as it was because what would have sucked is if I didn't have like a bottom and I was just still being the same guy. And now like I'm in this new position and I necessarily needed to become a guy who was all about me and my work and succeeding to a guy who is all about his, his family and his personal happiness day to day, you know, and work just kind of plays into that in a certain way. I mean, you know, I went and played on a, what day is it Thursday? Today's Friday. Yesterday, I worked for three hours, which in the five, the, during the time you knew me, in a, I probably like worked every weekend. I was just war, always working. Yesterday I worked about three hours. Then I went to the beach, walked around with my buddy. At one point we sat on a bench for 20 minutes doing nothing. We went kimono shopping on Abbot Kinney, you heard correctly. And then um, we had dinner together and then I came home and, and I played with uh, my wife and my kid. And I was like, that's, it's quite, a, it's quite a Thursday, I just had. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to play Spikeball after this.
0: Wait, on the beach? You bet. You should come. What a life.
1: You want to come play Spikeball?
0: I got to shoot after this, but please give me... What are you shooting? You just said you're not shooting anything. I mean, you know, for the YouTube. <laughs> 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 you got to give me some notice for Spikeball, but I'm fucking in. I That's would like, love for you to... Dude, and you're so close to the beach. I'm so close to the beach. I have a kid coming in January. I'm preparing you for that. You need to do it before... <laughs> Dude, let's play next week. Is that... So, give me some insight into the first three months of having a kid. My life's over, mm-hmm. done, but I gotta work. Gotta keep this ship moving. Gotta no, put you gotta wind keep, in the got, sails. You gotta,
1: you gotta keep. You gotta keep working, and and no, your life's not over. In fact, one of the things that people love telling people who are about to have kids is they're like, <gasps> "Good luck." Fuck and that. Love, have you I noticed hate how much people that. are trying to? It's that like, is you so douchey. Do do it's the worst, and everyone does it. They're like trying to scare you. And no, it is you know what? Everything they say is true. It's the best and the worst, right? It is the highest high. And like most of the best things in life, it comes at a cost, but you know, I feel like for me, the cost was just a matter of, Hey, this is like a spiritual tectonic shift and it takes reconciling and you're going to have to realign your values. You're going to, you're going to have to say, okay, Josh isn't number one anymore. What's going to matter now is, um, Dimitri or whatever you name this thing. Yeah. Okay. If it's a girl. I like Dimitri. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll give you credit. Dimitri Peck. (laughs) Dimitri Dimitri Patel Peck. Miss Dimitri Patel Peck. Um, Sounds like an emo stripper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're right too. But I, sometimes I think that I'm a little bit, the only advantage I have, right. It's like, this is work. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm thoroughly enjoying having, I I feel like we're broing down Mm -hmm. and nothing can make me happier. And, But if anyone asks, like, I'm working on my podcast. Like, this is my life. I work. I shoot a YouTube thing that's work. I do a brand thing, whatever. And so for me, I get so much pleasure out of my work, in quotes, that, like, what I don't have is I don't have fucking hobbies. Which Because this is my hobby. Uh I don't go to the club. Uh I don't. So, anything that a child is going to infringe on, uh-huh. I don't have that shit. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll get to keep doing this because this puts, mm-hmm. you know, more money in the tank, you know? Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, I'm happy to give that free time to a child because it's not impeding on my ability to go to, you know, to go rage on Catalina or wherever people rage.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, the fear of a lot of people who are about to have kids or maybe even don't want kids. It's like, oh, I just, you know, I love my, I love my me time. And yeah, well, the fact of the matter is, is like when you have a kid, it's not like you're still living every day. The, the thing that shifts is what matters to how you spend your time. As in, I used to love going out and getting drunk. Well, now I really love playing with my kid and go- taking her to the park. Like, and there's something really amazing and Zen. It's extremely uncomfortable at first because it's so different from the way you've been conditioned, but being a dad is really fun. The social elements of it are super fun. There's a lot to do. I mean, there's endless amounts, you know, Mahaley and I have like a family vision board where we write down things we want to do together as a family. Like, Cute. like I'm going to, like, we're all going to learn instruments at the same time and hopefully start a band and that'll probably last for like eight months.
0: <laughs> um, That's amazing. You know, like, like the uh, Indian Partridge family
1: sure sure <laughs> uh but like you know i think like there is you know i would just say for the first 3 months one make the time and and even when it's uncomfortable keep making the time because doing new things require doing it for a long time you know like faking it till you make it situation and i would also say like whatever you can do to to focus on your marriage is will be will better serve the kid and um, I would also say, like, don't. If you try to be right in the way that men do when you're in conflict with your wife, you're going to lose. Everyone's going to lose. The worst thing you can do is hold a grudge and care about being right because that's where resentment comes from most marriages I know have resentment from that period in their life. And it's seated in these power struggles that are about bullshit. Fact of the matter is it's a messy time in life. It's a difficult thing that neither of you have done before. It's inherently difficult. So hopefully you can learn to laugh through some of the conflicts and just be completely forgiving because everyone's trying their hardest. And in these moments, you're going to like probably fight a little bit here and there, but also you have to be like, you know what? Like that thing you said, then it was, it was fucked up or i disagreed with it but you have to let it go because you're going to do the same thing yourself and there's no manual on how to do something extremely hard for the first time
0: yeah that that's yeah sounds right on <laughs> feel much more prepared now um, so i'll i'll close with uh, you know you talk about writing your own eulogy uh constantly how do you how do you want to go <sighs> yeah let's let's
1: Let's get it. No, think about it, nobody's written about that in the eulogies, so it's not been anticipated. How do I want to go?
0: Yeah, you don't say that in the eulogy, like died in a, a, <laughs>
1: <laughs> a kindergarten died, yeah. bus
0: fire, saved me. Overdosed on Molly uh, like,
1: at the age of 92. <laughs> <laughs> what an old douchebag he was.
0: <laughs> Overdosed on ol- K2. <laughs> the oldest man at Bonnaroo. <laughs> died from heat stroke at Coachella. <laughs> (laughs)
1: I don't know man I just you know whatever it is I I just want to feel like you know and I don't mean this I look it'd be great if the world is a better place but I really want to leave the people I love in a better place because if I've done that then I think I've probably lived a very happy life myself
0: but how do you want to go? how Um, do you want to exit? oh are we talking natural causes? Yeah, let's
1: spitball here. I mean, there's car 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 accidents. There's
0: there's I mean, accidents. I could tell you mine, how I want to go. Yeah, please. I want uh, overdose on heroin while eating White Castle.
1: Wow. A yeah. lot has to happen for that scenario.
0: I No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like needle it, in the arm. Yeah, yeah. Bite of the burger. Yeah. Push the plunger. Oh, so what's my version of Another bite le- before it hits yeah, me. Yeah, what's
1: my version of leaving on top?
0: Not out and die.
1: Is it a blowjob? <laughs> yeah, it well, could be. Can you come to death?
0: <laughs> That's yeah, it. Die that, from dehydration. I wouldn't I would come come to die too much. from coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh
1: God. My dad's definitely going to listen to this, too. <laughs> Does he listen to podcasts? He just is my biggest fan. Like, <laughs> Does
0: he listen to,
1: look at everything you do? I think so. I mean, I, I, I like to joke that he's the one who alerts Google about anything that's (laughs) happening with me like he sends me information on everything i'm doing before i get and know anything about like the wonder woman thing which came out just before we started doing this i guarantee my phone is populated with all sorts of articles and information and my dad's probably been facebook i guarantee you there are posts up right now he's an adorable social media
0: guy that's so cute your parents are just your whole family's adorable
1: oh dude you come from good stock oh thanks man
0: Um, Do you think you're – You know, I said this to my buddy Tony Revolori, so I'm interested to see – Tony,
1: the the, the guy who's in the Wes Anderson movies?
0: Yeah, and Spider-Man. He's
1: he's really close friends with this guy Grant Rosenmeier who was one of the sons in Royal Tenenbaums and produced and was one of the leads in the movie I just did in Chicago. Sorry. Tony was apparently supposed to do the role that I did. Really? Yeah. All right.
0: Well, that would have been a quicker way to do that. Sorry, Tony. Smell um, you later, Tony. I remember he got Spider-Man while we were shooting this movie, Take the Ten, for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And <gasps>
1: yes. Congrats on that.
0: Thanks. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, I was like, have fun here. I was like, because when you get onto that set, I was like, it's going to be a totally different experience. Because going and working for like the, the Marvel, or not Marvel, this is DC, but like any huge massive thing like that. Like, is there some intimidation for you going into that? I mean, well, maybe now there is.
1: Yeah, there should what, be. What do you turn to do to me? I'd, I'd be nervous. Well, I, I, I tend to not get nervous in that way.
0: You're like, right. You'd be like, what's up, Chris Pine. Fucking- I mean, I, you, one of my
1: first things was transformers. And right. I, well, I, I guess it helped me at that point. Cause I didn't know who Michael Bay was and I didn't know that it was like a big movie. <laughs> but, was he cool to you? No, he no, he's, he's awful. He right? was such a tool. Okay. Solid. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I, I I honestly I only get intimidated when people are mean. Like that throws me off. So you ready to go. I'm going to be great. I the, like Wonder Woman's going to be a great experience. I I already know the director cuz I've worked with her before. It's great. And uh you know, Gal and I, you know, we've never met, but we're clearly yeah, we're going to be great together. Get some good stories from her and like the Musad. Oh, or the Gal and I won't idea. be able to stop sharing stories. Yes. Galen. Could, Gal and I might have a we might have a podcast called Gal and I by the time I'm <laughs> done with it. We're
0: galvanized, galvanized, <laughs> galvanized for life. <laughs> you could <laughs> have that one. All right, I love you. Thank love you. You too,
1: man. Thank oh, you for this. You wanna, I don't, I don't want another kombucha now.
0: No, not that. Do you want to publicize anything? This bar saves lives. Too, I mean, what do we yeah,
1: I have a granola bar company. We're in all the Starbucks. It's called This Bar Saves Lives for every bar you buy. We donate a life-saving meal packet to a child in need. So all you guys go get that. And yeah, that's all I want to publicize. Sick. Be my follower. Yeah, do that I, I too. Yeah, can I have like 1% of, can 1% of you follow me? That will be a gigantic, that could put my kid through <laughs> private school.
0: All right, Pexers. Mount up.
1: <laughs> Do you think, would the Baxter's respond to this? Uh, probably not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love you, man. That was it. Ravi Patel, my man, grandfathered. How lucky was I to meet someone like Ravi and John and Christina and so many wonderful people. And yeah, that show only went one season, yeah, but it did add a lasting effect. You know what I mean? The friendships got the friendships it was as though Fox spent 50 million dollars so we could all become friends and you know what to me uh, it was worth every penny but um, you know I imagine Fox accounting would disagree but that's not my business okay um anyway guys have an incredible week have an incredible life um I'm gonna go change some dirty diapers all right guys love you bye